Thank you for downloading the Barbecue Central Show. The Barbecue Central Show is supported in part by these great sponsors. The Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic pit temperature control devices and barbecue pits. Their website is thebbqguru.com. Also, Butcher Barbecue, maker of injections, rubs, and sauces. Their website is butcherbbq.com. And by Big Papa Smokers, your one-stop online shop for anything in the barbecue and grilling industry to include world championship winning rubs. Their website, bigpapasmokers.com. And by Cookshack, maker of pellet and electric cookers. You can visit them at cookshack.com. Also, Chops Power Injector System. Three different size injectors to choose from. Find out more at barbecuekansascity.com, and that's barbecue, B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E. And by Pit Barrel Cooker, one of the most unique and versatile cookers out there on the market. Visit them at pitbarrelcooker.com. And by Smithfield, the biggest name in pork, bringing you great opportunities this barbecue season. Get Smokin' with Smithfield and their grant program and committed cooks program. Learn more at smokinwithsmithfield.com. And by Green Mountain Grills, some of the finest pellet cookers on the market. Their website, greenmountaingrills.com. Also by Cookin' Pellets, manufacturer of wood pellets to fire wood pellet cookers. Their website is cookinpellets.com. You can also purchase on Amazon.com as well. And finally, by Unknown Barbecue Supply, makers of lid hinges, chimney grillers, and much more. You can visit their website, unknownbbq.com slash shop. Use promo code REMPY for 15% off your entire order. This is Chad Hayden with Mitch Miner's Barbecue, the 19th annual Jack Daniels World Barbecue Champion, and this is Barbecue Central. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. Broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rippey. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. It's a jam-packed, wild show after we've been off for a week. You're wondering, this is live, local, and late-breaking. And if you want to contribute to this show this evening via phone call or email, I'm more than happy to have you do it. Here's the contact info. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, at BBQ Central Show. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter. That comes out at 4 o'clock Eastern each and every day. Or... 
each and every Tuesday before the show to give you a little heads up. If you didn't get it, it is the second Tuesday of the month. That means, of course, a visit from the creator, the most heavily trafficked and popular barbecue and grilling website on the face of the earth, Meathead Goldwyn, is in. We're going to do a little rehashing, and then we have some questions from the studio audience that have been submitted to me. So stay tuned for some really good information that, you know, by all accounts, I'll get into it here in 12, 13 minutes, but there are high-level steak restaurants in this country still today that continue to propagate terrible, false, incorrect information. They don't know they're doing it, and they have no problem disseminating that information in an incorrect fashion as fast as humanly possible. So if you ever find yourself second-guessing or wanting to correct a server, which I would never do. I've been the server. Now, of course, I'm always really interested in making sure that my facts are correct and proper with science meriting it. However, I understand other people just are really interested in keeping a job. And if somebody above them in a boss-style fashion or station says, this is how you're going to do your delivery of the meat, this is how you're going to tell them the cooking process is, this is what you're going to tell them happens to the meat during the cooking process, X, Y, and Z. By the way, X, Y, and Z, all wrong. Hey, you don't care. You just want the paycheck, right? I get it. However, bad information continues to be decided. I can understand getting that from Lone Star or Longhorn or the other one with the Australian guy talking, Outback. That, I just I just throw it away. Who cares? Bad information. I'm not here for your information. I'm here for uh, above average steak, maybe a nice cocktail. But when you're getting into paying steak by the ounce, now we've hit a new threshold of where knowledge should be, in my opinion. We'll see if you think the same. So that'll be Meathead Goldwyn coming up at 914 and 935 in his usual second Tuesday segment. Then we will move on to the second hour. This past weekend, a two-day event. There were actually multiple two-day events, but this one took place uh, up in the Midwest North, Wisconsin. A two-day Memphis, Memphis Masters in May took place and joining me a day one winner and who has been a guest on this show a couple different times one of the pit master we'll have to talk to him about this too by the way i don't know if jeff is the pit master we'll introduce him that way and see how he takes it but there's definitely three dudes on the team uh but we'll be talking with jeff vanderlidde And at 10.35, uh, sorry, we'll be talking about the first day win, and then he also scored an eighth place overall second day in the Classic. So looking forward to catching up with Jeff Vanderlindy. And then at 10.35, he has been on this show a couple times since the beginning of the year. He was a team I was going to follow last year, but I blew that all up because I love to talk about stuff that I don't end up doing. He has found a groove. I love telling him at the beginning of the year. He's like, I got some things I'm going to be trying out. I'm going to get this thing back on track. We're going to hit the winning ways again. I'm rededicating. Well, 
three grand championships in a row means he not only has he rededicated, he's found whatever it is, and he has it going right now. I am talking about Clarence Joseph, pitmaster of Mama and Papa Joe's Barbecue. Love talking with CJ. Nobody hotter than he is right now in Texas, I got to tell you. Three in a row. Love three in a row. 216-220-0966. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. All right, let everybody know the show's on. Send them over to OutdoorCookingChannel.com to watch the show video feed, which from what I see in the chat room seems to be incredibly well tonight. I have no idea why. Everything's, of course, the same, but whatever. You can also send them to my website, TheBBQCentralShow.com, and you get the audio there. You can also find it on TuneIn. You can find it on Simple Radio, I believe. That's the new app that John Dawson was telling me about at uh, the last broadcast that we had. A number of different ways to find it. And if you can't get it, you sign up by podcast, which is what 98% of people do anyway. You can find the show on iTunes, Google Play, and all the notorious, typical, and otherwise places that you have to go podcast directory style. So that's how you find the show if you can't get it live between 9 and 11. Let me ask you this. If I charged you $1, one thin dollar... Would you download a Barbecue Central Show app to your smartphone? Would you? That might be in the works. All right. What happened last Tuesday? No show. Oh, dear Lord. What are we going to do? I get it. I hate missing shows more than anything. However, when health calls, when surgery calls, and luckily for me, uh, not for me, but not luckily for me, my wife, had what is called a makoplasty. Does anybody know what a makoplasty is? So instead of congenitally bad knees for my wife, uh, joints just in general, I would say, at 42, she's had a plus 12, 13, 14 surgeries between knees and elbows, three C-sections, that's childbirth, two foot surgeries in the past three years. It's just not a congenitally solid thing that she has from the joints and and some bones and so forth. So makoplasty is not your traditional total knee replacement. Instead, they try and keep as much of your own homegrown tissues and bones and stuff and only replace portions or a partial knee replacement done via the Mako robot, which is what they call it, the Makoplasty. And uh, through a few series of, did I keep the effects on? No, okay. Through a series of uh, some CAT scans to get some really detailed ideas of how the top of the femur is through the use of this robot, and then some of the implements that they put in there. You don't have to do the total knee. So we're hoping, hoping? 15 years before we have to go in and actually do the knee replacement, total knee replacement. This is just staving off the inevitable. This isn't a fix. This is going to be uh, probably dual knee replacements at some point. But for 42, I mean, she's in recovery room with people that are like 65, 70 years old, you know, my parents' age and stuff like that. Those are the people that need total knee replacements, not a 42-year-old for crying out loud. So... 
that was first thing Wednesday morning. We had to go into the hospital the night before, hence no show. So we're back live and better than ever here right now. And as I said, hate to miss a show under any circumstance. Uh, But this one, nothing I could do about it for sure. And now the recovery process is underway and we'll see how they, a lot of pain, but some movement, uh, we're four days out. So, uh, or almost a week out. So looking forward to getting past the first couple weeks because outcomes after that have seemed to be really valued by the people that have had them done. So thank you in advance for all of your well wishes in her recovery. All right, Meathead coming up out of the break, folks. Let me talk to you quickly about Cook Shack. They manufacture smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience, whether you're a barbecue in the backyard person, on the competition circuit, if you cook in a five-star dining facility. Cook Shack has the unit that will do the job. And with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoke and grilling 101s, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, and Google+. Get advice or share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. Cookshack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion, Ed Fast, Eddie Morin. The FEC 100, PG 1000, always customer favorites. The PG 1000 can actually double as a smoker and grill. Low and slow, hot and fast. The pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Cook Shack Residential Electric Smokers, the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Here's the bottom line. Anything you can cook in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. Passion, dedication, drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality. Always being at the forefront. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Or visit their website at cookshack.com. That's C-O-O-K-S-H-A-C-K. Cookshack.com. Yes, twice on the foot surgery, if that's what you're asking. Twice. All right, Meathead Goldwyn coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. From the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio, you're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. 
Hey, welcome back. You love to barbecue. You love to compete. You love to win. Do all three. With the help from Smithfield since 1938, they have been producing high-quality fresh pork products. Now they invite you to get smoking with Smithfield. If you're a competitive barbecuer, you can join the Committee Cooks program. Members who commit to cooking with premium, hand-trimmed Smithfield fresh pork receive free swag and other great prizes. Commit to cooking with Smithfield. See what's happening over at SmokinWithSmithfield.com. Smokin' with smithfield.com all right joining me now your second tuesday of the month recurring guest the founder creator and overall mastermind of the most popular barbecue and grilling website on the face of the earth you know him you love him meathead goldwin joining us here on the show meathead how are you buddy hold on meathead i didn't un i didn't unmute you hold on one second meathead how are you sorry i didn't unmute i i I forgot to unmute Oh, I said hello, Centaurs, hey. and uh, how's the Cleveland Cavalier barbecue tonight? We are 8-0 and o right now, my friend, if yes, you get my breath. Yeah, we are doing very well. Now, let me point one thing out here for the people that are in the instant chat room. As I was just going over my wife's not-so-lucky knee, partial knee replacement, uh, you and Doug Scheiding, a couple other people, like, oh, you should have brain surgery because you said your wife's age out loud. And it couldn't, it, it really couldn't have come at a better time that you mentioned that because Becky and I just had this conversation literally hours ago about people who freak out when their age is dropped, like in public, or if you ask somebody, like, how old you are. She said when she was teaching a couple weekends ago, one of her students was like, Hey, how old are you? And she's like, I'm 42. And the other student was like, Oh, you said your age. Like, what the hell? It's just a number, right, Meathead? I'm to your wife. I know many women who. Why? You're no you're super desire. smart, Meathead. You're super smart. What is the deal behind hiding age? Like, what are you gaining? What if you look like an old piece of crap? <laughs> well, you don't know that though. You think you look beautiful and young, and you want everybody to think you're 29. All right. Well, I get it, but. I mean, I'm I'm here. I like to live a life of transparency, meathead. Oh, good. That's right. I just, you know, Tuesday night, Greg <laughs> knows this. I don't know if the audience knows. Tuesday night is date night at my house. Uh, my wife and I and her brother and his wife go to the movies on Tuesday night, almost every Tuesday, and, you know, the occasions when we can't. And afterwards, we go out for a bite to eat, and I scurry home on uh, uh, the second Tuesday to make a... Uh, Time for the Central Lights and Greg. And uh, you talk about transparency. We saw Uh-oh. the new Tom Hanks movie. Uh, I think it's Emma Watson, yeah. the young girl from yeah. uh, Harry Potter. Harry Potter, as uh, she's grown up. Um, and it's uh, called The Circle. And it's a really interesting movie. It's um, about a big company somewhere between Google and Facebook that has massive information on everybody and encourages everybody to share that if you have secrets you're lying to the world around you that you should have no secrets you should live life in the open and in fact they do an experiment with this young girl they have these miniature cameras they've Uh developed and they put it on her so everything she does every minute of her life is um uh, shared on the internet wow and uh it it has some very interesting 
implications, political implications, uh, privacy implications. It's um, thought-provoking because as people who live on the Internet or spend time on the Internet, as I do and you do, you, doesn't, you don't have to be a genius to figure out you have no privacy anymore. Right. The idea of privacy is an obsolete concept. You can grasp for, for straws. You can hold out. I mean, your telephone always knows where you are. Right. Always listening. Uh, it's always listening, too, by the way. Always your, 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 your Google Mail. Your Alexa. All you're seeking. Right. Um, your web browsers. Uh, you know, it just there's not much to conceal anymore. And it's really hard for uh, me, I'm an old fart, and a lot of people to come to grips with the fact that I have no privacy. Um, uh, it's really bizarre. And this movie addresses that. So you were just talking about keeping secrets. I thought that was a, a germane digression. That's here. right. Germane, absolutely. So here we are, Meathead, for our regular second Tuesday meeting. And uh, the first couple topics... That I wanted to address with you this evening are germane, if I can use your term, because I have we're kind of just finishing out the long travel of uh, national level J.O. volleyball. And I was in one of the outer suburbs of Chicago on the western uh, Rosemont, I believe is the name of the city. They have a Gibson Steakhouse there. And then uh, we were in Kansas City two weeks ago and I ate at a place called Anton's. Which I had like top one of the top three steaks I've ever had in my yeah. life at this place. And yeah, they're good. So I, Gibson's. And I ate at uh, the same weekend. I also ate at eight hundred one Chop House, which is a real high level steakhouse. And you know, every single time that I'm there at one of these high level, as I had said in the open, you know, the low level steakhouses. You know, I'm looking for about an average steak, I guess. No big deal. Expectation isn't that high. I'm not really listening to the server. But when you get into the higher-end steakhouses, you know, they have the nice chef jacket. They have 50 pens. They have the uh, meat thermometer on the side of the arm. And they are going through painstaking detail of what kind of cut it is and how it's raised and how the cooking process is. They are really, really trying to sell you on getting that bone-in ribeye. Because it's so much more luscious and the bone is adding flavor to the meat and all of these other things that we have talked to. It was months and months ago when we really dove into the dichotomy of what this whole bone situation is. But I wanted to readdress it because, you know, if I'm paying 75 or or $100 for one steak, at least you could be telling me the right information. I don't want to be paying that amount of money and know that I know more than you do at the table. And maybe I'm just a very small percentage of the consumer that takes the time to realize and know what things are actually happening during the cooking process and what's true and what's false. But for the people that just might be finding the show or they're just getting in, I mean, this is the beginnings of barbecue and grilling season. One of the biggest pitmaster tales or husband tales or myths in barbecue is this continuance of the bone in the meat somehow making it sweeter or more flavorful. And you did a real big in-depth piece on this, and, and I, I think it's at least worth a re-mention or a recover so everybody has the right information as we move forward through the summer. 
Well, there's one more, and you know this one intimately. You you talk about it that goes with bone-in meat, and that is uh, searing, sealing in the juices, which yeah, that was going to be uh, that was going later. to be uh, that was going to be plan or part B of this too, because that's mm-hmm. I heard that three times as well. Yeah, I was just recently at a high-end steakhouse in Chicago. Was very pleased that my waitron um, knew uh, she. <laughs> well, I you know waitress. as a waiter, waitress, the, the, server, the, server, server. Okay, I have waitron, server, server. My server knew the stuff. Uh, she said, uh, uh, "No, the bone doesn't add any flavor, and searing doesn't seal in the juices." So I was very pleased to hear that. But I, I'm not surprised. I, you know. Anybody who's worked in the restaurant business knows wait staff are hard to train. Um, it's hard to get them to training sessions. They really only want to come in when it, it's work time. So getting them into training sessions, keeping them awake, teaching is not always easy. You would think at a high-end steakhouse where there are pretty good tips, yep. they would learn their craft more. But the fact is, as you point out, yes, um, if you're going to cook beef short ribs in a crock pot, the marrow of the bone is loaded with flavor. It's got a lot of fat and connective tissues and all kinds of stuff. And when you put it in a liquid, in a wet cooking environment, water is a solvent. Uh, that's why we wash our hands and our cars with it. The water will pull the flavor out of the marrow and enrich the broth so that your stew, your liquid, is incredibly rich and flavorful. And it's essential to keep the bone in because that's a vital part of the flavor. But when you cook in a dry environment, like an oven or a grill, the marrow cannot escape. It's surrounded by one-eighth to one-quarter inch calcium. And calcium has no flavor. That wall of that bone is thick and impenetrable, and the marrow cannot get out. And in fact, what happens is it alters the heating properties of the meat. It's actually like a heat reflector on the space shuttle. Um, and so the idea that it's the meat, the, the, the meat that is next to the bone is sweeter. There's an old song, the sweeter, closer to the bone, the sweeter the meat. Right. Um, is because it's less cooked, and, 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 and if, you, if you like a steak medium rare as I do, you'll notice that it's almost always rare. It's yeah. not as cooked next to the bone because right. the bone has insulated it, and so the meat doesn't get as warm and doesn't cook as well as the opposite side of the meat where there is no bone. And, and so if you take the bone off, you'll get even heating all around, and uh, you won't have this section where the meat is rare and sometimes stringy and you know close to raw. What happens though, which is interesting, is if you take a whole beef primal, like a, a, a standing rib roast, and you put it on the bones, which is hence the name standing rib roast, it will reflect heat for a long while, but eventually it warms up. And once it warms up, it retains heat. And so as you take the roast out, and if you rest the meat, it will continue to cook, so it can actually be more cooked next to the bone. So it can have both effects, which is why when I do a rib roast, I take the bones off, and now i got a rack of beef ribs. Yep. That's a whole other meal. Um, and my beef roast is round, tubular, meat on all sides. It cooks evenly. Um, as far as the searing is concerned, 
This is something that started in the 1800s. Um, some German scientists came up with the theory that searing seals in the juices. And it's been disproven many times. Alton Brown did a really good show on the subject where he cooked two steaks side by side, one seared, one not. And when you just think about it, if you subject a steak to really, really high temperature in order to sear it, you're evaporating moisture. And usually a seared steak will weigh less than a non-seared steak because you've evaporated moisture. Yeah. But you do want to sear a steak not because it seals in juices, because these muscle fibers are not balloons. You know They don't um, need to be tied off at the end by heat. Um, uh, the... Um, the uh, the searing creates flavor. It browns the meat. That's the Maillard reaction, and that's wonderful flavor. So you absolutely want to sear meat, but it doesn't do anything to sear in the juices. And, you know, the, 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 the third part of the mythology, and this one is harder to prove, and it's not, it's not proven. I have pretty good evidence, and that is the idea that resting the meat redistributes the juices in some fashion, I have a lengthy logical debate on this subject. Um, and in fact, um, I'm going to underwrite research at Texas Tech University to finally answer this question once and for all. What does resting a steak do? Resting being different from holding. If you've got a big fat brisket that you've cooked to 200 degrees and hold it in a cambro, that's different than taking a steak and cooking it to 130 degrees and resting it for 15, 20 minutes to redistribute the juices. So the mythology of steak is out there, but um, uh, you know, it's it, 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 I don't you know, wait staff just doesn't get the message, unfortunately. There seems to be a lot of well-known people on television that will also tell people that are mm -hmm. watching, get that sear on there to seal in those juices. And you would imagine that if somebody is watching from behind the camera at a food network or one of these other type stations, they would do they themselves would do research to make sure that the person on the other side of the camera, the talent, isn't making themselves look like a fool. But that doesn't seem to be the case either. And not only that, I would say as far as the resting is concerned, more people would probably buy into the fact that searing doesn't seal in the juices. But, geez, to a man or woman, they the resting is the most key thing. And if you don't, uh -uh. you're going to go from, like, great steak to average. Or you, you can't ever achieve great steak platforms if you don't uh -huh. allow 10 and 15 minutes to rest. Yeah, the, the bone-in thing is not contestable. That's definitive. There's no argument about that. That's easy to prove. There's easy, I mean, you can do that with kitchen science. You don't need a special laboratory. Um, searing is another one that's easy to prove. You can do that also in the kitchen, but with a, with a decent kitchen scale. You can prove that. That's been proven a million times. The business about resting is less easy to prove because you have to get down into the molecular, not the molecular, the cellular level and look at the fibers and see where the juices are and measure. And it's tricky um, and a lot of the experiments that have been done are flawed because, like, they, they take the steak and then they cut it into bits and measure the juices, but nobody eats a steak that way. Nobody, you get, I give you a steak, you cut one little bite off. You take a bite, then you go to the potato, then you have a glass of wine. So you're not slicing it up and measuring the juices. 
we've done that, and the amount of juice loss is minimal, and it's not lost. You mop it up on the back. But that's a long discussion and debate. I mean, we can get into it if you want. So, like, if you're going to be underwriting that kind of research at Texas Tech, and I would imagine you're hoping that your your hypothesis is more correct than not. But what if what if it shows that indeed the proper rest makes for uh, gives you that plateau of of steak awesome and resting or not resting doesn't? Fantastic. I stand corrected. I think that's the beauty of when people understand what science is and go about research. You come up with a hypothesis and you test it and you let the data show the results, right or wrong. I have no investment in, you know, that uh, resting. I have stated that I think that it's not necessary. I think it's wiser to serve a hot steak. I think that um, resting doesn't affect the location of the juices and loss of juices. But I haven't proven it. It's not proven. And I'm in a minority of one. I don't know many people that side with me on this issue. Um, So let's hear what the research proves. And I don't care how it comes out, honestly. I mean, if it comes out one way or the other, um, we'll have proven it once and for all. How long uh, long is it going to take to prove that? I don't know. Um, We have to... I, I, I talked to them at the National Barbecue Association conference. They were there in Texas, and um, we talked about it at length, and they're real excited about getting some grad students and PhD candidates on this project. So <clears throat> it takes time. They've got to find <clears throat> excuse me, they got to find the, the scientists who a are interested in the research, B have the time, uh, and C haven't chosen a, a PhD thesis or a postdoc thesis yet. Um, then we have to come up with uh, experimental methodology. How do you measure the, the juices? Where are they? And so on. Um, and, you know, you've got to come up with a plan, and then you got to start executing. We've got to come up with a budget. I said I'd underwrite it. I'm optimistic I can afford it. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I don't know what it costs to do this project. So... Uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't expect results in any great hurry. And in fact, I haven't heard back from them in, in about a month, so um, I'm, I have to tickle them a little bit on this subject. Speaking of NBBQA, um, you and I talked a little bit I, last time we spoke about my. Um, I go to the National Barbecue Association every year, um, and I, I forgot to tell you about something I saw there that was really cool, and I just thought of it yesterday. Um, probably some of your readers know what a karubaku is. Yeah. Uh, It's a really clever engineering design. It's a smoker where, you know, most of the time you burn logs, and it's it's a stick burner. You burn logs, and the smoke and the heat come off the top. You capture it in a, you know, cooker. Usually it's a horizontal tube like an offset smoker. And your smoke and your heat travel through the tube and cook and smoke the meat. Um, And when you burn wood, um, you get smoke, which contains um, a lot of good stuff, flavor. And it also can contain a lot of impurities. And the trick of the great pit masters is to get that um, really beautiful blue smoke from a hot wood fire uh, that doesn't have a lot of impurities. White smoke has some, some impurities. Yellow and brown smoke have more. Black smoke has a lot of impurities. The darker the color, the larger the particle size, 
the more light is refracted by the particles. Um, uh, so blue smoke is your, you know, your holy grail. White smoke is good, um, and the other is less good. Um, the Karubaku burns logs, and instead of the smoke and the heat coming off the top, there's a fan that pulls it down into the cooking chamber so that the smoke travels through the glowing embers, which are hot. Mm -hmm. And you get all of the impurities, a lot of the bad stuff that is in smoke, get burned off. And it goes through the cooking chamber and comes out the exhaust, and it's invisible. It's beautiful blue smoke. So it's a great, great um, uh, stick burner. Uh, they, they cost about 1500 bucks, And I love mine. I was just cooking on it yesterday, and, um, and it just makes such great meat. Uh, stick burners in general, if you know how to run them, turn out, I think, the best meat. I agree. Um, but um, so Bill Carew, who designed this device, um, has worked with the Friedrich Company, and they've, they've created a, um, a big box, like at a restaurant, uh, like a Southern Pride, uh -huh. with a Karubaku bolted on the back. So the Karubaku is the heat and the smoke source, and then it goes into one of these... Rotisseries. Um, uh, I, mean, I don't like to call them rotisseries because rotisserie is what a chicken spins on. All right. I don't like to call it a carousel because carousels go this way. I call it a Ferris wheel. Okay. <laughs> Again, I'm the only one that calls it a Ferris wheel, but it's a Ferris wheel. It goes round and round. Um, and that, you know, that's like the Southern Prides and the... Uh, uh, the uh, uh, I can forget the other brands. Southern Pride. That's one. Southern Pride um, and Old Hickory. Old Hickory is the other one I was trying to think of. And, they, you know, they have this Ferris wheel arrangement um, with a Karubaku on the back end. And the meat huh. was just fantastic. Just fantastic. Um, and they've just introduced it. Uh, I'm looking at the paperwork here. It's called a KBQ 400. Oh. KBQ 400. And anybody out there, I don't know what it sells for. This is more uh, for restaurant application, not for the backyard. For a restaurant, well, I mean, yeah. it's on a trailer. Okay. Um, so it could be used for catering for big events, you know, when you've got a thousand people at the IBM picnic. Yep. Um, it, it, you know, uh, and I've seen, you know, these big boxes on trailers being used at, at catering and in outdoor events. So, but it, they are used at restaurants. It's just a really nice tool. I've only seen it once, spent about a half hour looking at it kicked the tires, and then tasted the food and walked away and went, wow. wow. So anybody who's out there shopping for a serious, heavy-duty, large-capacity um, smoker and is looking at Old Hickory and Southern Pride and the others, th this is one to consider. It's new on the market, and I was really impressed. All right, Meathead Goldwyn joining me here on the show. Uh, Meathead, when we come back, we're going to answer a couple listener questions if you're down for that. Of course yeah. you are. All right, okay, hold on. Stick around for Meathead Goldwyn coming up out of the break. In the meantime, I am going to talk to you about the CHOPS Power Injector System. That's right, folks. The CHOPS Power Injector System is the National Barbecue Association's 2015, 2016, 2017 Barbecue Tool of the Year. Patent-pending technology. The number one seller is the half-gallon CHOPS Power Injector System. Designed for competition or to pump up the Backyard Warrior. Very easy to use. Clean the fillet, pump it, and away you go. If you have just one brisket or a pork shoulder to do, 
You don't need to fill it all the way up. Just put in what you need, and it will use it all. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three-plug screws, a needle protector. It's 100 bucks plus you pay shipping. Then you have the one-gallon CHOPS power injector system. It's designed for catering, bigger jobs. It holds double the amount of the injection as the half-gallon. Some use it in competitions, like when you're cooking MBN whole hog or 10 shoulders to get that perfect one. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector, 120 bucks plus you pay the shipping. And then finally, the CHOPS full power injector system. It's electric and is the commercial and competition big daddy. This time, not a holding tank, but a three and a half foot pickup tube instead that you can put in any size container. That's right, from a few ounces to a 55 gallon drum. It was designed for Chef Rob at the best barbecue restaurant in Kansas City. And he has said time and time again, that with the CHOPS full power injector system, his briskets are better than ever. This one comes with a whole bunch of stuff as well. It's 325 bucks, plus you pay the shipping. A number of the top pitmasters in the world use the CPI every day to make their barbecue better than the rest because here's the deal. We live in a foodie world now, Central Lights, that require flavor in every bite. This is how you do it and do it fast, and it's not just for meat. How about an alcohol-infused watermelon or cantaloupe or honeydew? Whatever else you want to inject alcohol into. Alcoholic. Extra accessories, you want them, they got them. Every injector hand-assembled in Kansas City, Missouri, USA. All you have to do is hit the website, barbecuekansascity.com. That's B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, barbecuekansascity.com. And check it out. See what it's all about. You'll be wondering how you ever got along with the single needle injector after you had the CHOPS power injector system. All right, we're back with more Meathead right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Ready to get on the air? Call 216-220-0966. Now, let's get back to the LeBron James of Barbecue Talk. Craig Rampey. All right, welcome back to this portion of the show being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills, manufacturers of some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. If you're looking for a big cooker to house a lot of food, they got one for you. Medium size, they got you covered there too. And if you're looking for something to take on those tailgates, they got you covered there as well. Plus pellets to fire those cookers as well. And the new pizza insert. Huh. What do they think of next? GreenMountainGrills.com, the website. Check them out. GreenMountainGrills.com. Meathead Goldwyn joins me as we head out of the break here. Meathead, I figured we would uh, jump into a couple listener questions. And uh, this one coming. Yeah, go ahead, Meathead. Before you do. Yeah. I want to um, underscore your advertiser. Go ahead. I have used that chopped injector. Yeah. And it's, I, I've used a whole bunch of injectors. Uh-huh. That thing is the cat's meow. I know. It's awesome. That is amazing. Oh. Uh, I mean, and it really, you know, just pump, 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 pump. Uh, you, your hand doesn't get tired. Um, and it'll just uh, pump up a uh, brisket in a, in a hurry. I love it. Yeah. It's, um, I, I had gotten. I struggled a long time, Meathead, with injecting at all because I figured that was just a competition thing. And yeah, I was like, eh, I'm not yet. So, but then I got the single syringe and I started injecting. And then uh, when Dan Uladal came on as an advertiser, uh, I bought one and 
I was like, oh my god, how could I have lived so long without this? So instead of taking 10 minutes to do one butt, I could do 10 butts in about three or four minutes. Tops. I mean, you put the pressure on it, you... Done, next butt. It's so it's so how fantastic. Long take, how long do you think it would take to pump up a horse? I don't know, maybe 10 minutes. A whole horse, next though. Thing. That's what I'm talking A whole horse. Next thing, Greg... After now, yeah, I saw. It. <laughs> now that now that you've been converted to pumping up your briskets, yep. next thing we know, we got to get you into liquid smoke. I'm never doing that. It's never gonna happen. I won't ever do that. It's so weird. Uh, liquid smoke is a, a weird. It's it's a whole weird thing to me. I mean, I know it's natural, and I'm not I'm not railing yeah. against that, but I will rail against things that suck. Uh-oh. And I believe liquid yeah. smoke sucks. So. All right, uh, Meathead, this question coming in from Gene in Florida, and it reads as the following. Hey, Greg, I posed this question in the Barbecue Brethren forum and on Facebook, and with the few responses I got, they were pretty consistent, and I'd like to get your take and Meathead's take, although I may believe what you guys might say. So here's the question. When it comes to palate versus pocketbook, which one prevails? I'm talking about the backyard patio and not the competition guy. Just once, I'd like to try top of the line barbecue fare, just as I had done with wine, which, by the way, convinced me to settle on the labels I can find at Publix. But spending big bucks on a rack of ribs or on two steaks, that's just something I can't seem to bring myself to do. Thanks for your time, and keep doing what you're doing. No one else is doing it, Gene, in Florida. So, Gene, thanks for writing in, of course. Uh, Meathead, uh, you're the guest. You go ahead and uh, start tackling this. Yeah, I'm not quite sure I understand. The case of wine, I mean, you and some of your listeners know, I actually had a career before barbecue in the wine world. I was the wine critic for the Washington Post and the Chicago Tribune and published a magazine. And there's a rule of thumb that we have that a $20 bottle is usually better than a $10 bottle, but it's never twice as good. Right. So it's the law of diminishing returns. <clears throat> and it, I think this, this similar applies to, like, restaurants, high-end steakhouse. You pay 50 to 75 bucks for a steak. Is it twice as good as a $25 steak? It's usually better. <clears throat> is it that much better? So, I, but I'm not sure I understand this question I mean, ribs ribs are pretty much the same price everywhere you go. I mean, here's I think this is the question. Let me try and uh, flesh it out a little bit more for you. So you can go get ribs. You can go get your choice cuts of steak, Angus. You know, whatever the hell it is. Mm-hmm. He's talking about buying wagyu beef. He's talking about buying heritage breed pork. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the higher end type of barbecue stuff that you hear more and more about that people are using. You're seeing a lot of social media stuff on all this high-end beef, and it appears Gene can't seem to get himself to open up the wallet in order mm-hmm. to try them because he's afraid that if he doles out. I'm, I'm going to go completely left of center here and say Gene is struggling with the same thing that I would struggle going down to Austin, Texas and waiting four hours in a line for Franklin's barbecue. And that is, if I'm going to put in that kind of time commitment, what needs what needs to happen when I put that brisket in my mouth from a physical sense 
I know is not going to happen. Okay? So I don't know why I would wait four hours in line to have brisket. So that's probably Gene's issue here. I can't pay $100 for a 16-ounce Wagyu ribeye, or at least he's having a hard time getting himself there in order to see if it's really worth it or not. Well, let's. the, the question came in both. He, he asked about both ribs and steak. Yeah. I think we got to separate them because unless you're talking about the heritage breed, yes, which is still yeah, pretty that, hard to find. That's what he's Bircher's, talking about. Bircher is pretty easy to find. It's not a lot more than regular um, uh, commodity pork. It is more, but you can certainly afford to buy one once. I mean, go out and buy one Berkshire slab, or if you can find it, a red wattle or something like that. It's not going to break the book, uh, the, the checkbook, and cook it side by side with a commodity pork and see if you feel that it's worth the difference. That is easy to do, and it's not going to be that much more expensive. Now, if you're talking about beef, um, and it, let's let's focus on ribeye, which is the the best of the premium steaks. Yeah. Um, uh, there is, to most people, a qualitative difference between a choice, a prime, a Wagyu, and a Kobe. And in a blind tasting, unless something weird has happened with the steers, you <laughs> should be able to taste a real difference. Now, the preference, the question is, is the preference. And I've done the side-by-side tastings. Sure. And I got to tell you, one bite of Kobe, real Kobe from Japan, you go absolutely ape. It's just amazing. It's spectacular. But you know what? I can't eat a whole 12-ounce steak. It's like eating 12 ounces of butter. Very rich. It's, it's really, really rich. I love it. But and, and, and similarly for Wagyu. My choice, personal preference, is USDA Prime. I find that is the balance between marbling, and usually when you're talking about these high-end steaks, you're talking about marbling, how much fat is mixed in with the meat. Um, and uh, um, you can see it, and you can taste it. But again, I mean, you don't have to break the bank to buy USDA Prime. Wagyu and Coke... Kobe, forget it. I yeah, mean, that's really it. expensive. Yeah. Really expensive. And, and most everything you see labeled Kobe isn't. It's just, it's Wagyu. It's mislabeled as Kobe. Um, but um, uh, Wagyu, it, it's really worth trying once if you can cough up the cash. Um, uh, USDA Prime is, uh, is much less expensive. And it's probably, you know... Double the price of USDA Choice, uh, but you can find USDA Prime at really good rest, uh, really good uh, uh, butcher shops or grocery stores. And I think if you'll cook them properly, you really like it. And then it becomes a question of: Do you want to do this on a regular basis? In my world, um, I shop USDA Choice most of the time. I look for the very best piece that's there. And, oh, this is important. This is really important. This is the best advice I've ever given you or your, your, your <laughs> listeners. Okay, hold, wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second. If you're going to build it up like... All right. Get to know your butcher. 
I have brought my butcher on more than one occasion. You know, the, the head butcher gets in early because that's when the trucks arrive. And, 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 and they often leave early. So you don't want to show up at 4 o'clock and look for the head butcher. Get there early. Get to know the butcher. Tell them what you're doing. Chat them up. And come in around 11 o'clock with a slab of ribs and drop it off for lunch. They sit there and have lunch on primary. They go out back and sit at a picnic table. Give them a slab of ribs. You have a friend for life. And I'm telling you, knowing your butcher is more important than knowing your stockbroker. And what my butcher will do is I'll walk in there. and I may be just shopping for chicken. And she'll come out. And by the way, I have a female butcher at one of my favorite grocers. She'll come out and say, hey, we just got in uh, some uh, beef primals. And they're absolutely gorgeous. And the chuck end of this one primal is prime USDA prime quality. It's just labeled choice. I'll sell it to you as choice. And she'll go out and back and cut it for me. Mm. So knowing knowing your butcher, getting the friends with your butcher can save you a lot of money and get you some really good deals. Um, and and then nothing will make them love you more than bring them a slab of ribs. They love uh, to eat, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but I, I would advise, yeah, spend the money uh, at least once and try it and see what you think. I land on USDA Prime. Um, when it comes to ribs, I'm very happy with commodity pork, yeah. but um, I've had some of the uh, heritage breed pork shoulders, and they're really good. A, a really good Berkshire shoulder is, I like it a lot. Uh, here's what I would say to Gene. If, if you're struggling with getting the higher-end beef because you really can't afford it, then don't get it. Uh, never sacrifice your family's security over saying that you had a Wagyu piece of beef or you flew in a piece of Kobe from Japan or whatever. Eat within your means. However, if you have the means and you're just worried that you might fart away 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 bucks or 200 bucks or whatever it is, because you can get that three-pound tomahawk ribeye from Snake River Farms, I think it's $199. I mean, it's it's a big chunk of money. But if you have it and you've always wanted to try it and you're not putting yourself into any detriment financially or marriage, then get it because <laughs> yeah. the, right. the reward that you will have once mm -hmm. you try that piece of beef is going to be it, – it, it, if you cook it right, it should be one of the best pieces of beef that you've had ever. And that's and, and it's not a benchmark. Yes, and it's not like it's just a little bit better. It is way, way better. So, and, and is it something that you can do all the time? No. Stephen Reichlin always says, "Stop eating beef a lot, save up, and then buy the best that you can after you've saved up for X amount of time, and then just cut out all the beef eating," which I agree with. Yeah, a lot of my grocery store choice um, uh, steaks lately. Now you see, this is the problem. How do you keep them down on the farm once they've seen Paris? Right. Uh, right. This guy. You're this right. guy has had. I mean, the parallels to wine are great. I'm glad he brought it up, uh, Gene. Uh, you know, once you've tasted, uh, you know, really great Cabernet. Yeah, it's kind of hard to eat, to drink two buck chuck. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so you you tend to you know. But Greg, here's a question for you. Um, 
which do you prefer for money, all money not being an object? Prime, Wagyu, or Kobe? Uh, I I have a tendency to be able to to cut through that buttery richness a little bit maybe better than you do so I would always prefer a wagyu. Okay. I've never I've never had a true Kobe by the way. Oh, but, okay. I mean I wagyu yeah. for me and I've had a number of wagyu cuts fantastic. If I could yeah, afford that, it all that. the time, I would absolutely eat it all the time. Okay. And I would be happy to share it with people if it got overwhelming for the palate too. That way they could eat it too and realize Shangri-La along with me. <laughs> but you know me, I love to share shit. What else you got? We got time for one more, don't we? No, we're out of time. No. Yes, I know it. It goes by too fast. What can I tell you? Can I can I squeeze in one more item? All right, hurry. Um, I was mentioning the um, Karibiku 400, the big commercial size uh, smoker. I saw, I saw another device down there. Um called the Wise, W-Y-Z-E Temp, and it's a one of these remote thermometers yeah. like uh, Barbecue Guru, or, um, and, but he has claimed to have developed a wireless probe. All right. It looks like a knitting needle. You know, like that, and uh, you just stick it in the meat. Yeah. There's no wire. What the hell and, was that thing that never came about that was yeah, supposed to be us? Yeah, that, that is never go, don't don't spend your money in Kickstarter yep. on that product. But this guy has a product on the market. I haven't tried it yet. He was showing it off down there. I'm waiting to get my hands on one, but this is an actual product, not a daydream. Um, and uh, uh, keep an eye out for this product uh, when it ships if it isn't shipping already and I'll I'll keep an eye out for our review of it. It was looked really cool. All right. And uh, of course Yep. This is the holy grail for people with the a rotisserie chicken, right? Or right, 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 your right, Ferris right. wheel restaurant yep. pick. Can't, not going to get stick strung it in up. And let it go. You don't right. need a wire. Uh, John Dawson from Patio Daddio weighing in uh, just to put a note on this Prime and Wagyu and all this stuff. Uh, John Dawson writes, uh, "Ramps, if one is a Costco member, there's almost no excuse not to eat prime beef. It's typically just two to three pounds more." per pound over choice. So, uh, Gene, if you're a Costco member, you know, they got prime beef right there on the regular, it sounds like, according to John Dawson, and we all know he knows his beef. So, there you go. Uh, Meathead Goldwyn can be found at AmazingRibs.com. Uh, join the Pitmasters Club if you haven't already. It's 25 bucks for the year, and you get uh, free access to a whole bunch of really cool 24. I say 25, and it sounds like a deal when it's 24. Don't you know how to ups, over pro, uh, under-promise and over-deliver? Come on, Meathead. Get that sales 101. 2395. Uh, 23. See? There you go. I've I've just saved you 20 20 I've saved you $2 right off the bat. All right, folks. It's the it's the, it's the show it's discount. Five. Yeah, it's you saved dollar 5, Greg. You, you I I, I save these people $15. Look at me. All right. Uh, amazingribs.com meathead. We will see you next month, my friend. Always appreciate the time. Always, always, my pleasure. There he is, Meathead Goldwyn. Wow, look at him. Shot out of a cannon. Gene, hopefully we answered your questions. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, uh, 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 okay. I think, I think we're back. 
Wow, what a travesty. 30 minutes of technical nonsense, and I believe we are not out of the woods yet, as much as I hate to say it. Uh, Nevertheless, we will continue to muddle along. I will humbly apologize to uh, Jeff Vanderlindy for not getting to him during this. However, uh, I am in great hopes that I will now race to the Smoking with Smithfield hotline and welcome good friend to the show and pitmaster of Mama and Papa Joe's Barbecue, Clarence Joseph, to the show. Clarence, are you there? Good. What's going on, baby? Oh my God! I've I've had one of the worst technical meltdowns in recent memory. I can't. I don't know what happened. I was getting along swimmingly with Meathead, and then right, it literally as our segment ended, it all crashed out from there. And you're the next up. So thank you hey, for baby, thank you for being. If it can't go wrong, it will go wrong. <laughs> That's right. That's the creed of the internet. That and tell you what. Uh, if anything will go uh, wrong, it will go wrong, uh, number one. And then also, can you believe, out of all of the free things that are on the Internet, that porno is still one of the most free things on the Internet? Can you believe that? Wow. That's, hey, this is a great country, man. I'm telling you, it's unfathomable to me that porno is this free. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, Clarence, you have been, I remember a handful of months ago we were chatting up looking at this season and talking to you about what happened last year and kind of where you were gauging uh, how 2016 ended up and then how you were looking forward to 2017. And there were some tweaks that you were going to be making, but you know, I don't know if, if we look back at this point. Did you foresee yourself ripping off three in a row uh, like you are on your current streak, or are you, are you surprising yourself at this point too? I, I can't say that I'm surprising myself, Greg. Uh, in each of the previous two years prior to last year, uh, this same time, uh, I had uh, streaks of four GCs in a row. So uh, 2013, uh, I mean 2014 and 2015, uh, this same period in the spring, I had uh, four GCs in a row. So for whatever reason, it appears that... Uh, Spring, uh, I get on a roll in the spring. Uh, I've heard of several other cooks talk about how uh, taste changes with the season to where things might drop off just slightly. But uh, I know I can't keep this up uh, forever. It'll be nice, but uh, I'm going to ride it for all it's worth. I uh, really feel good about what I'm doing right now. Uh, I think my, my cooking, my uh, everything about what I'm doing is in, is in a perfect place right now. And uh, I'm going to see how far I can take it. You know, there's a handful of times over the course that I've done the show where I've been able to talk to pit masters that have ripped off three in a row, uh, four in a row. I don't know if I've ever done uh, a five in a row yet, but, you know, winning back to back is hard enough. Stringing three together is certainly a feat all its own. So as you start to look ahead to the next event and as you look over the past three, you know, is there ever a point after you win that second one where you feel either a, a physical pressure or a subconscious pressure that we got to get three in a row, or do you never go into a, an event when you have a streak going 
having that kind of a burden on your brain saying, hey, I, I, you know, no matter what, I want to pull that fourth one out or that fifth one out or that sixth one out. Does, is, is there too much of a surmountable pressure that builds up over time? Uh, I, I think it comes with uh, experience. You know, uh, where uh, in the past I've had one incident where I can uh, clearly remember putting pressure on myself, uh, the Houston Rodeo, uh, going out trying to do way too much. And uh, I, I've really taken that lesson to heart. And uh, so at this point, uh, like I said, I, I, my cooking is in a perfect place. I am, uh, I'm really easing into these competitions. I'm having a lot of fun. I know exactly what I'm doing, and uh, I'm beyond that point now where I feel like i got to try to do too much, where just a little bit more rub uh, might be what is needed. No, I know exactly what I need to do, and uh, I'm very comfortable doing it right now. Clarence Joseph joining me here on the show, Pitmaster of Mom and Papa Joe's Barbecue. So as you look over the streak here, Clarence, and you say you are cooking exactly the way you want, everything is hitting, the marks are hitting, you're on your program, is that like – the key for success being a pitmaster, regardless of what sanctioning body you're in, is is really dialing it in and then being able to go out every weekend and replicate time and time again in order to give yourself the best chance of winning? Well, that is it absolutely uh, uh, point well made. The idea is all about uh, can, you, can you do exactly what you did last weekend? Or uh, if... Uh, I tell people, you know, I go to competitions. I never worry about who's there because I'm competing against myself. Uh, can I do better than I did last year? Can I cook better than I did last year, uh, last week? Uh, so uh, in my eyes, that's, that's exactly what I need to do. That's the mindset I need to come into each uh, competition with. Are, are there any noticeable tweaks that you had made prior to the beginning of the three here that you're on most recently? that you feel have attributed to this success or it's just a, a culmination of knowing where you wanted to be and starting hitting that first mark, you know, three contests okay. to go and just carrying forward. There's some, there's some, uh, there's some no, noticeably tweaks. Uh, one thing specifically, you know, I sat down with a very good friend of mine and uh, he nope. mentioned something that he could, he could see me do. And the thing is, uh, I never realized how much I was doing this one particular thing. And I found myself initially uh, years ago, I was only doing it once. And I got to the point where I was doing it three or four times because it was pleasing to my eye. You know, and this was uh, something on ribs. And he brought it to my attention. And uh, I'm one, I'm always willing to reflect on uh, my past competitions, what I've done to see where my mistakes were. And I realized how far I'd come. And I've made that adjustment. And uh, boom, my ribs are, uh, my ribs are top three. Uh, Cook off after cook off after cook off right now. So what were you what were you doing that wasn't something or what weren't you doing that's something you were I mean look, I, I have to imagine if somebody's standing next to you and they're watching your process and they they're like, Hey, you're doing this all of a sudden or you're not doing this all of a sudden, they're bringing it to your attention. That's kind of is that a little bit unnerving? Uh not really. Uh like I said, this guy, he and I, we cook right next to each other. Uh, we all the time, uh, and I, can, I, can, I, I have no problems telling you, yeah. I, I used, I used to spritz, I used to spritz my ribs once during a, during the, uh, the entire time they were cooking. And I will tell you, uh, during that, uh, after that spritz, my ribs were just so, so pleasing to my eye, Greg, that I started doing it twice, then three times, then four times. <laughs> 
And 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 before I knew it, you know, my uh, my cook time had been extended another uh, thirty minutes to uh, forty five minutes. Mm. There were there were competitions last year where I was struggling to finish my ribs, and I was like, man, I'm doing the same thing. You know, I couldn't figure out why. And he brought it to my attention at one point, and I was like, whoa! It just never dawned on me. And, you know, I made I made the correction, and boom, things went back to uh, to what they were. Uh, and, you know, the, the thing we got to keep in mind as cooks, Greg, is that uh, good food is going to be good food two years from now. You know, uh, it's not like all of a sudden good food isn't good food. People don't like it. Uh, it's just that we've changed what we've been doing without realizing. And if we can go back to that same good food, uh, people are going to like it again. You know, I was talking with uh, – I want to say it might have been Travis Clark or you know one of the other guys uh, out of KCBS, and, and they had kind of recounted a similar story of there was a there was something that they were doing and they were hitting, and then they for whatever reason they got away from it, and it wasn't something that they were like, oh yeah, I forgot to do that this past competition, and we'll implement it again next weekend, and we'll probably pick up and go from there. Uh, and it wasn't until like months and months down the road that they went back on a note and realized that, hey, this isn't something that I was doing. So I guess the long-winded question here, Clarence, is are you taking notes every single time that you're doing a cook? And if you're reviewing, and if you are, if you're reviewing those notes from the past week, wouldn't you notice that you know one week you were spritzing once and then all of a sudden you're doing it two times and then four times and then five times and stuff like that? You know, and uh, that's a great point, Greg, and I wish I could tell you that, yes, I do take notes. Initially, uh, you know, when I first started creating this team, my wife and I, in 2010, I tried to take notes. But uh, unless it's something that you've really set your mind to do, it's very hard. Uh, you know, you've got to you, – you, you might have four, five, six steps before you get a chance to, to record uh, what you did. And uh, without giving it a fair shot, I got away from it pretty quickly. So I wasn't very, I wasn't dedicated to, uh, to to taking notes. The same friend I'm talking about, I can tell you, his name is Darwin Hoyle, Giant Barbecue. Same friend I'm talking about, I watch him meticulously taking notes throughout his cook. You know, and I, I wish I could do it, but I just cannot remember. Uh, when I do remember. Uh, the desire really isn't there. So uh, I'll tell, I, I can tell you that it's not something I've ever committed myself to fully doing. Would you consider taking on a strapping lad from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city to follow you around with a notebook competition season and dictate or doc, uh, uh, document everything that you're doing and then turn them back into you on a Sunday? Would you do that? That would be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Like you're but, uh, my Saturdays. When I get home from Saturdays, you know, uh, I I pretty much stay off of uh, social media, and I really reflect. Uh, and now that we're speaking about this, that could even be a time when I can, when things are fairly fresh in my mind, I might be able to record some things. Uh, but uh, I don't do any posting until Sunday, so I really sit back and reflect on that cook-off. What? You know, what I did, what I could have done better, what went right, what might have gone wrong or so. Uh, so some very good points. The other side of this whole thing, and we've talked about this a couple different times uh, when you've been on the show here over the last handful of years, is uh, you're obviously a fair, not only are you prolific on the competition scene, but you're a very prolific teacher. 
and you've been teaching a lot of teams key elements that have really helped them ramp up their competition game. And we've talked about the bittersweet moment when somebody might have taken your class very recently and now they're walking ahead of you on stage to grab a category win or an overall trophy or something along these lines. Have you noticed an increase in interest in Mama and Papa Joe's barbecue cooking classes during these last three weeks? Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I spent uh, I spent much of today uh, responding to queries, you know, about the class. Uh, and uh, I mentioned a private class a couple of weeks ago. And, and Greg, I'm here to tell you, uh, interest in the private class has really spiked uh I'm in the middle of one as we speak. Uh, we did our prep portion uh, this evening. Uh, we're we're going to do the cooking portion uh, tomorrow. There's so many people who uh, have conflicts on the weekends with work. There's there are a segment of uh, uh, cooks who who don't want anybody to know they're taking classes. Uh, I never mention any of my my past students by name or so. So uh, yes, I have seen uh, lots of uh, interest. I've seen a, a huge spike in uh, interest in the class. Let me ask you, uh, just out of personal curiosity, if I had a collection of gents and or ladies that were interested in a cooking class, like I can contact you and fly you up and we would do a whole cooking class and all this stuff, like that's available? Absolutely. Uh, really? Right now, I'm working on one uh, in Dallas uh, where they have to reach a certain uh, minimum number of cooks uh, to make it worth my while. Uh, but yes, I've, I've been contracted out to, uh, to different, uh, locations for individuals who can't or won't, don't want to travel. So, uh, man, I would love to get out of state, uh, meet some new people, uh, and show them what, uh, mom and Papa Joe's and Texas barbecue is all about. That would be awesome. Clarence, we got three underneath the belt. Where's the potential fourth one and when is it going to be taking place? Uh, my fourth one is coming up at the end of the month. I believe it's uh, the 26th, 27th in there. Uh, and it's a, uh, it's a cook-off for an awesome cause, the Danny Deets uh, Memorial Cook-Off uh, outside of Houston in Rosenberg. Uh, one of the big things about this cook-off, man, they've, they've got some sweet trophies made by Navy SEAL that, that just about any cook in Texas is dying to get. Uh, I, I did it a couple of years ago. I had three walks. Uh, didn't get one of those trophies, but I had a really nice day. So I'm looking forward to going back at the end of the month. Uh, and it's going to be a good cook, well attended with some quality cooks, which uh, which is right up my alley. So looking forward to that one. Would you rather be cooking this coming weekend? Is there any type of a momentum situation that you could be oh, rolling in or, oh, or not so much? Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, uh, a buddy and I were talking about that yesterday on the phone. I said, when you're cooking the way I'm cooking, uh, feeling the way I'm cooking, I'm feeling, uh, man, I wish I was cooking. <laughs> you know, I can, I can take a little comfort in knowing that I'm going to be cooking to some degree with my classes. You know, I've got a uh, private class tomorrow. I've got a private class on Friday. Then I turn around the following weekend with uh, my public class before I get back to competing. So it's not like I'm going to be totally out of the loop in terms of cooking. Still going to be uh, pretty much in the mix, running my processes, uh, running my recipes. So uh, uh, I think it's it, it's going to bode well for when I uh, when I get back to uh, the competition circuit. Clarence Joseph is the pitmaster for Mom and Papa Joe's Barbecue, currently on a three GC streak. And as we recapping it here on this show, Clarence, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for coming up. 
All right, thank you, Greg. Look forward to another time. You got it. There he is, Mama and Papa Joe's pitmaster, Clarence Joseph. How about that? Where's my... All guests on the Barbecue Central show appear via the Smithfield Hotline. Trouble, and on all accounts, it is trouble. Wow. Uh, Clarence Joseph, Mom and Papa Joe's Barbecue, three wins in a row. And again, I apologize to Jeff Vanderlindy from Shiggin and Grinnin. Masters in May, day one champion. I'm going to reboot him uh, maybe even next week. Uh, of course, we'll have Stephen Reichland next week, but he's going to be doing a whole hog in Memphis next week. I've only cooked one before. Should be interesting. All right, so we'll line up Jeff for a recap next week and apologize if you tuned in for Jeff's show as we get back on track here. Just in time to close out the show, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about the longest-running sponsored show, The Barbecue Guru. If you're not familiar with how automatic pit temperature control devices work, imagine a product that allows you to set your pit temperature and keeps it running there all the way through the cook. There's a couple different models to choose from. Here's what I suggest. You head on over to bbqguru.com. That's bbqguru.com and check out all the products. If you have any questions about what to order, call them directly, 800-288-GURU, and they'll make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. And... Also by the Pit Barrel Cooker. Of course, we know pulling the trigger on a new cooker can be nerve-wracking sometimes, but the Pit Barrel makes cooking simple and fun. It's very versatile thanks to its hook-and-hang method. It places the meat right in the center of the heat, so it's acting like a stationary rotisserie. It's a great cooking vessel. It's extremely portable and can withstand all types of weather. So portable, in fact, it can fit in the back of most trucks, vans, and SUVs. It's $2.99, ships right to your door, fully assembled, ready to cook on. Everything they sell at Pit Barrel actually ships for free to the lower 48. Don't take my word for it. For four years in a row now, AmazingRibs.com has ranked it in their gold division. That's the highest one. Head on over to PitBarrelCooker.com and see what everybody's talking about or call them 502-228-1222. All right, uh, we will come back so I can get in the rest of my reads. And we'll call this show a disaster, but... A finished disaster nonetheless. Stick around. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today. Craig Rimpy. All right. Let me mention these folks here before we scoot out this evening. Unknown Smoker Accessories, purveyors of made-in-the-USA stainless steel barbecue and smoker-lit hinges, barbecue accessory hangers, rocket-hot chimney grillers, heavy-duty aluminum foil dispensers. Find products from Unknown Smoker Accessories. Keep your gear where it needs to be at arm's length and ready for battle, by the way. The rocket-hot chimney griller are also available for sale at BigPapaSmokers.com. Everything else can be bought at Unknown Smoker Accessories which is unknownbbq.com slash shop. Also by Smithfield, the biggest name in pork, bringing you great opportunities this barbecue season. Get Smoking with Smithfield and their Committed Cooks program. Learn more at smokingwithsmithfield.com. And finally, by the 2017 Pro Barbecue Tour presented by Sam's Club. The segment, uh, I'm sorry, 
31 cities, 500000 in cash, and eternal bragging rights if you win the whole thing this coming weekend. The 2017 Pro Barbecue Tour rolls into Bowling Green, Kentucky for a local qualifier. To get more info on the tour, register your team to compete or check results. You can visit kcbs.us slash tour. All right. Well, I'm not sure exactly what happened. I got done with Meathead. I tried to ace him out of Skype, and everything froze from there. I think it had something to do with XSplit, which is the streaming server, but I can't be 100% sure. However, every Tuesday from now on, I will do a full reboot before this show hits because uh, I can only stand about one of those. And if that ever happens again in successive weeks, I will probably go hang myself during the live stream. And I certainly don't want to do that, do I? No. All right, let's go ahead and get the hell on out of here so I can cobble together some semblance of a podcast to put up for iTunes. Uh, in the first hour, it was Meathead Goldwyn. In the second hour, it was Clarence Joseph from Mom and Papa Joe's Barbecue. It was supposed to also be Jeff Vanderlinde from Shiggin' and Grinnin', but that didn't work out because of the tech issues, which you podcasters will not be aware of. It's just going to sound a little bit disjointed. But when isn't the show sounding a little bit disjointed? Got a great show lined up for you already next week. If you don't believe me, let me prove it to you. We got Memphis and May coming up here this coming weekend. So we got Stephen Reichlin at 914. We got Joe Heltzberg at 1014. And then we'll go Jeff Vanderlindy, and then we might get a Grill Girl recap. I mean, who knows? We'll see what happens. September 11, 2001, I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.